Everybody, welcome again to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Dallas, again, the show of hungry immigration, animation, paying it forward. Today we have what I consider a wise sage guest, Mate Hartai, the beverage director of the HD Supply Company in Dallas and expanding out into some other areas from what I understand. But talking to Mate is very interesting. He has this like shaman Esque way he delivers poetic moments, the way he talks about themes of bar construction, people's personalities, the sociology of the hospitality community. A lot of really deep things in here, almost philosophical at times. And it's no wonder that he travels the world and is a revered personality and presence in this industry. Had a really lovely time getting to know him. And it is the first time I've met anybody that came over the pond from hungry and he talks a little bit about that process very eloquent very intelligent and has a lot of experiences to share so without further ado i hope you guys enjoy this great chat with mate hartai animation i've studied animation for a long time really and draw stop stop motion or uh, everything yeah everything i got lost in 3d and that's why i fell out of it because it had well it's so real it's unreal right? well it's it's just really mechanical and you get lost in the like i'd rather learn physical dexterity yeah yeah, yeah. and skill that way than move mouse around have you heard that term uncanny valley is that mm. familiar to you where you you no. basically i think what happens is you build a representation of humanity in 3d yeah, to yeah, such yeah. realism that it becomes yeah. unbelievable yeah like pixar kind of yeah, yeah absolutely is getting that way you know yeah it's i think the beauty of like breathing life into something that doesn't look like it's real is almost cooler. that's the best part yeah. yeah 2d tom and jerry heckle and jekyll you remember that show? my uh yeah the um i mean literally i could list you like eight or nine animation like masters yeah and i still have pictures of them over my desk really like, yeah what is do you have a favorite animated character Animated character? Yeah, uh, just my, a character, not even his Tom voice. And Jerry, Tom and Jerry was my Killer, favorite. Killer, right? Yeah. Was Were you, Tom was on. the mouse or Jerry was the mouse? Jerry's the mouse. Why did Tom never win? Uh, no, he won left and right. It was 50 No. Yeah. no That's, it was 50. Are you sure? Yeah, it was pretty 50 TBS really handpicked that shit. Yeah, the, um, but it really depended on who was directing it. I see. So when Hanna-Barbera was directing it, mm-hmm. it was a very different life. And then it, it went through six different directors. Really? So yeah, and it, it radically changed each time. Like, the do you know when roughly quality. it first started to come out? Because I can think of sixties or fifties, right? It was fifties. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's that was the series that booted Disney off of its Academy Award streak. Oh no shit! <clears throat> yeah, was started. it an answer to Wiley Cody and? No, that all came after. After okay. Yeah, because that's um, that's Chuck Jones. So Chuck Jones. Chuck did Jones. The, yeah, yeah. The middle part. He was in the sixties, seventies. Yeah, and that's when Looney Tunes, all of his stuff came out after he did Tom and Jerry. You know, a lot of people don't know about Chuck Jones. Uh, he's he's my fucking hero. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. When did, can you remember kind of the first time maybe you I saw was, Chuck I was, Jones? I was a kid. Kid, right? Yeah. 
It just the animation moved differently. So it was, and like his his use of angles, yeah. his use of like eye movement was radical. Like it wasn't on a two D plane, mm-hmm. and it's super exaggerated and had this snap to it that nobody else really had. And it just, <laughs> just caught my eye. So. And he did. Did he do Tuckle and Jekyll too? I don't think so. No. Okay. What what other stuff did Chum, Chuck Jones do? Do you remember? Because um, I remember seeing the name pl- lots. Yeah, it's Wiley Coyote. Oh. Um, I mean, he did a lot of stuff. He even did um, Ricky Ticky Tavi cartoon. That's Chuck Jones. Really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Man. Dude do you is, remember that? It kind of it's different now, right? Yeah, like different for cartoons, different for being. It's a, a different kid. world, man. It's a different world. Almost a little bit less fulfilling, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to place myself as a as yeah, a kid. Yeah, absolutely you know, not. But, no, I. Man, at, at some point, I uh, like that was always the dream, and I'm really happy I didn't do it because <laughs> it's not lucrative. It, well, it's no, it's totally lucrative. Um, my animation friends work way less than I do time-wise. Yeah, they work extremely hard when they work. But do they but get they, to talk to people? Yeah, that's the problem. It's right. not a human. Th- it's not social. Yeah, and I don't think I would have done nearly as well as a person if I stayed in a cave. Well, it's hard because engineers have faced that problem and that they die single. Yeah, <laughs> they can't connect with with humans ever yeah. at all. What's well, good, Monty? Thanks so much for coming out, man, to Josh's cheers. place. Josh offered it up as basically a cultural oh. hub. Well, here, cheers. Prost. Thank you. Drinking some mezcal, which we'll talk about here in a second. And we actually have to get a guess on the proof because it's not listed. One of these wonderful rogue independent label bottles from Oaxaca, which is good. So you, if I understand correctly. You're not a Texas guy, but maybe you have turned into a Texas guy. Where did you grow up? <clears throat> this well, is where it gets like like the steel yeah. wall, the iron curtain of Europe. Or? Pretty much the other side of it, yeah. <laughs> the um, so I'm emigrated in early nineties, really two ninety three. How old are you now? Uh, Thirty four. Okay, so still younger than me. I can insult you. This yeah. is what elders get to do. I'm. That's where I. Oh, I know that. Trust me. <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, I, I gotta take a sip. Oh, please, yeah, take it's a Pablo metal fermented in cowhide, funky but yet very meaty, which is nice. That's really nice. You like it? Yeah, it's good. Thank you, Mister. Yeah, I have a, Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> that's good. Proof. I can see you're still thinking about it. Yeah, I haven't tasted it yet. I've tasted it before, but I haven't had it. Yeah, that's got to be up. 40, top, uh, higher 40s, lower there. 50s, I imagine. There. At least but in the 50s. still funky and meaty and all that. Yeah. I. Uh, so you grew up in Hungary. Hungary if I, yeah. I was yeah. born in Pest of Budapest. Really? Budapest? So that's the east side of the city. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things, you know, uh, you move here, everybody is a, uh, it's a giant melting pot and you can't sure. tell anything from anybody right. by the way they look. That's how we're bad but, and we're good. Yeah, I'm a white guy, so everybody's just like every other white guy. That's right. Uh, but I, I mean, it's a different breed of people I come from. What t- can you, different. can you classify kind of succinctly? What, what do you think defines the Hungarian population? Man, it's, it's the beauty of that, that part of the world is that those borders have been there for hundreds of years, if not thousands, you know, at least yeah. a thousand, um, Hungary has been a nation for over a thousand years. Right. Uh, and they've been like hard pressed and hard fought. So those cultures are in a way isolated from each other. Sure. And they they develop very differently. So because it's in a, it's in a silo, right? Yeah, and honestly, like I could tell just by looking at a person mm. if they're Polish, or if they're Russian, or if they're German, or if they're Hungarian, just by their bone structure yeah. and their skin, and sometimes their clothing. Um, so there's very little mixing of 
you know, of different cultures bloodline-wise. Yeah. Um, so it's it's actually really interesting. Um, over here, that completely disappears. You can't. It's hard. It's, it's hard well, to be, tell, right? Because everybody, there's no. So so mixed. Like yeah, three no, generations. There's in. no actual boundaries here. Right, there's right, no right. borders. So it doesn't work like that here. But if you try to, um, if you try to, um, still processing that mezcal. He's processing the mezcal. But yeah, if you try to understand, you know, where I come from on yeah. this, this scale, yeah, tell, you tell really me. have to understand the people that, you know, raised me, which... Core, core family or the, grandma? Or? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's all the family. It takes, a, it takes a village. Yeah. But if you look at those people, the last hundred years of history in that region, in that locale, it's literally the worst hundred years that they, the entire continent's yeah. been through. What, how did, uh, perhaps, because I assume, I don't know why, but I assume you're pretty good at history. How did Hungary, how did they make out in World War II? Um, not very well. We were on the losing side of both worlds, so it uh, didn't really work out. And it was, it was a very torn country because it was an Axis power, yeah. but it didn't necessarily align Believe itself it. very well. And then even before that, during World War One, with the Austrians controlling large parts of Hungary, we were basically doing their heavy lifting, yeah. but not really seeing the benefit out of it. And then after, right after World War II, we go straight into communism. So my previous generation for me grew up under occupation. Really? I was born in, like, they grew up in military occupation. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I grew up in social and political occupation we didn't have different but still red lines we didn't have machine guns in our streets anymore but it's implied like invisible lines very much um but still to this day i've only been to east berlin really i've never been to west berlin i've only seen the brandenburg gate from the other side okay yeah that's my first uh some of my first memories are from that but was it it a a feeling of tension at all or did you still feel free to be a kid and stuff definitely tension at the brandenburg gate yeah there's a lot of machine guns um but yeah the um and then their previous generation lived through World War II, which was a nightmare, yeah, especially yeah. for that part of the world. It was a nightmare sure. for everybody, but that part of the world even worse was that's where everything happened. And uh, so you look at those two generations back to back, and that's those are the people that raised me. Yeah. So, like, it's a they're like a hardened, kind of really durable people now and very aware. I'm sure. Yeah. You and, always um, have to keep your ears peeled and everything for things changing. Yeah. And then, and honestly. Anytime I have a problem or a, any kind of boo-hoo, I just look at what they went through. I'm like, like you know what? Absolutely none of this. My is shit is like real minimal no, comparatively. Yeah, but that's a good that's a good way to calibrate, yeah, though. Right? Absolutely, which to an extent gives me no excuse to do anything but <laughs> awesome stuff. And also, it oh, what you no- can't afford being starved, Mate? <laughs> what? Oh, you starved for two weeks is too much for you. What's yeah. the problem, right? Yeah, it's um. So in no way does any of my hardships in any way compare yeah. to anybody else's. And that's ingrained. That's you know taught you know to yeah. you like hey, hey you respect your elders. They were went through way worse stuff than you. Absolutely. Do you, do you feel? And I think about this all the time because I think about my parent or rather my grandparents and how respectable they were at times when they yeah. weren't drunk that much. They, yeah, they, yeah. Partially drunk's good. They yeah. were very very still sophisticated. But do you notice that like among people kind of our peers our contemporaries that people don't really they don't look back to the elderly with reverence like I might have or you yeah. might have when you were younger. It's I think America. What I see here, when I see people, you know, raising their kids, it's yeah. it's it's soft, and you're creating Real soft, soft. You're creating a soft foundation, yeah, which means everything's going to crumble on top of it because it's got no foundation that's hard enough to be a foundation, yeah. right? 
Yeah, and it's and it's honestly not just Hungary. It's all the it's everybody over there, the Balkans. Yeah, you know. And there's a lot of people, ironically, in our industry from there. I mean, you look no at the, the roster of employees only, and they all have wacky. <laughs> we, they all have wacky names like me yeah. for a reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, chiseled, tall, bald. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, but it's a great community. Yeah. Um, so but, how old were you when, when you headed over to the? Uh, I was. 11, 12. 11, 12. There. So, I mean, almost hitting the point where it's already awkward enough yeah. being a fucking teenager <clears throat> or whatnot, getting close to it. Yeah, and it's, you know, the culture stays with you. You, yeah. t- you take it with you. So you, have ha- to, you have I, to. I don't speak English in my house. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just because we're over here doesn't mean we necessarily adopt um, local customs. So right. We still right. eat our same food. And, you know, everybody does that. Sure. Um, so even though I spent a lot of my formative years over here, I was still in my house. You know, I was yeah. still being raised. So being way. part of that kind of like the ecosystem of, of Hungarian culture. What uh, what would do you think was the main reason that I guess your parent? One, did you you have some siblings? Uh, one older brother. One older brother. Four years older. And you guys, parents made the decision to come over. Grandparents made the decision. Uh, or? Parents. Yeah. They're both uh, worked in nuclear power plants. Really. Yeah. Good. Good industry here frankly um yeah and Not my bad. mother moved first and then um dad brother and me followed yeah somewhat reluctantly but we ended up liking it so 12 years old it was six said? months at a time literally we didn't know we were going to stay longer than six months no kidding so yeah was it, is it because of just like getting the visa or whatnot yeah it was, a, it was all that yeah and it was a six-month contract yeah <clears throat> which isn't very long so you're kind of living check to check if you will um no we did pretty well the, no no uh, sorry just symbolically yeah, speaking. Yeah, yeah 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 no no definitely um the only thing that i tell people that kind of infuriates them is that my mom's original job was in san francisco really but she got transferred for a permanent position to granbury texas so i didn't move to san francisco i moved to granbury texas you unlucky son of a bitch yes. <laughs> what was your mom doing in granbury uh same stuff really yeah. what did, which was um comanche peak power plant Inter- oh, power, power, plant. power plant so. yeah interesting and so, so there's yeah. an industry for it so you guys are like all right cool we're finally gonna get to go to the states and all right uh pull the card your dad's like fuck <laughs> yeah basically yeah it could have uh, been anywhere yeah we end up in buttfuck texas pretty <laughs> much yeah yeah, it's uh, and I basically, you know, as humanly quickly as possible, I moved as close to a large city as humanly possible. Yeah, how and, and because I'm from Austin and all other places, uh, how many? Would you pretty close, Granbury to Dallas? It's like twenty. You're looking miles? two hours. Oh shit! It's that far away. Yeah, it's about two hours. Oh, you had no. There was no hope. No. <laughs> there was no hope at no, all. No, we we moved to so we moved in. To, into the suburbs richardson and yeah plano, oh richardson and, okay. okay and i i evacuated plano as fast as i could yeah well no one wants a heroin problem yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> no matter how sexy it looks kate moss yeah, just, you don't much. want one. pretty much you don't want one. so um so you're 12 which is really putting you in the prime of like the time where you develop socially with kids and stuff was it tough uh english i don't remember that? learning english i just remember having headaches why so? Uh, I just literally, I went in. It was full immersion. They didn't know how to, there was nobody I could speak Hungarian with. Yeah. I barely had English classes back home. Yeah. I was the first, my brother had to, but I was the first grade in my school uh-huh. not to have to take Russian. And that was wow. like a huge badge of honor because wow. it was institutionalized. Like, yeah. Part of the, the curriculum. Mine was the first one that didn't. That's so incredible. I took, I took German and Latin. Yeah. And that's what makes the other educational systems slightly 
yeah. ahead of the game. Yeah. yeah the, um, I'm envious now, but like when I was a kid, like, no, I don't want to study Eastern European languages. Yeah. Fuck you. I don't yeah. want to do that. And it's hard. It's, it's a oh, very, it's really difficult. very difficult language. Um, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not, if you don't have the basis of being from there, you'll never yeah. speak without an accent. Really? And I actually have a pretty thick accent now, which is kind of annoying. Uh, I wish to, it wait to on, on the Hungarian side yeah, or on the English side. Cause yeah, Hungarian, you, yeah. you got a quite like very Western. Yeah, absolutely. No, I don't have an accent. English yeah, that's identifiable or even a regional. Yeah, dialect. not at all. Even though I learned English in Granbury, Texas, I didn't pick it up. Yeah. As Granbury English. You know? Well, you're probably smart enough to realize like that draw is pretty lame. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> it's got its, it's got its features, but yeah. the, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I learned it really quickly. Like, it's because, it, I mean, look, I mean let's be honest, too. man. Like, kids are very receptive, but also other educational institutions are just, they're so much more escal- es- I Yeah, I remember, I remember math. I would get into my math class, and people were literally did the speaking loudly at my yeah. face slowly because I, I was going to understand English better. Like, somehow that would help, right? Yeah, and then they put it's the like math test. like patronizing te- you every fucking day, right? And then they put the math test in front of me, and it was like, I did this two years ago. <laughs> This is a joke. <laughs> Muscle memory. I just killed have, it, right? Yeah, just I didn't have to do any kind of homework. I did. I literally just bruised through the first three years. Oh, of it's amazing. Country without even skipping a beat. Like it was really easy. Yeah. Well, because <clears> again, <throat> the, edu- the European education. Yeah, it's quite good. On that here. Quite good. Um. Well, so what? What kind of things were new and different about the states? M- maybe music, culture, Western culture, pop culture. Those things. No, I mean, I I absorbed all that in a very quick way. I mean. I guess the biggest influence on me was I didn't, I really disliked one of my biggest idols now back then because I didn't understand him. Who? Uh, David Bowie. You disliked Bowie? I hated Bowie, yeah. It takes a while um, to get sometimes, doesn't it? And well, I just, I, di- I didn't understand it. And uh, where we were culturally, it didn't make sense. Right. And everybody, every everything else did make sense. And, uh, and I moved over here and I once I understood like, the generations that he was reacting to yeah. it just i just sunk in it clicked and, right yeah and just like every other relationship that i've had that started without you know complete acceptance yeah it yeah, became yeah. much stronger because of it really because i had to overcome so you're kind of reluctant at yeah. first and I, like eh. i studied it and i was like i don't i don't know if i really get this and then it boom do you remember that move that a song with <clears throat> bowie that kind of like really turned the, the table story man obviously it was labyrinth and I was like, sure. Right. Obviously, it was labyrinth. <laughs> this guy's pretty cool. Don't need to see his crotch as much as we're featuring it right here. Why is there such a big cod piece? The cod piece is. <laughs> Why prominent. the fuck is it so prominent. bulbous? <laughs> prominent. Uh, I mean, he's tall. All right, I'll give him that. He's like he's six six foot plus. Maybe he filled the cod piece. And this is a side conversation. Very side. Conversation. But I I want I want to bring up one nice pop culture kind of mm-hmm. bubble pop fact here where george clooney took over the batman role from oh, yeah. val kimmer do you remember this one like Absolutely. you go batman forever and the batman and robin he needed a larger cod piece there we go amen george clooney amen, amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so besides david bowie like were you it was pretty easy you got into the music and the tv and the movies and all that yeah hardcore and then yeah. went straight into animation and that's where Crazy. i kind of developed the, the love of you know tactile physical art yeah and uh I really had no appreciation for fine art or right uh, not objective art. art yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. modern art I really hated it to an extent because it's like what is this vomit on a palette yeah. or yeah it, was, it, it didn't have the structure and didn't have the visible work that yeah. all the other ones had so I was into low art 
So animation, low art. interesting. Yeah, it's called low art. So yeah. animation, um, cartoons, comic books, you know. Yeah. Street art. That's all called low art. Even how do you feel about uh, the Simpsons? Love them. Love um, it. Love it. Me too. Me yeah. too. Changed over the times a lot. Yeah. The, um, Very adaptive series, extremely. given the the change in the culture. Extremely. Yeah. yeah. The um, I think when you look at long, um, anything that stretches for that long, yeah. it's really interesting. The only thing that dilutes the Simpsons is the amount of writers that are on it. I see. Just okay. too many. Yeah. And they're rotating in and out. Yeah. So it doesn't really have. <clears throat> it doesn't display the change that it could display if it right. was one person or if it was three people or if it was a stat it sure. was a static group of people. So the one series that I always point to, and it's a really nerdy, self-published comic book. What is it called? Called Cerebus. Cerebus, okay. Yeah. Um, it is literally, the, this guy was in his early 20s, started self-publishing. It was like a Conan knockoff. Okay. Uh, Aardvark. <laughs> oh, an Aardvark with yeah. a huge, massive axe? Um, kind I of. Uh, but he was, um, it's like a Conan ripoff. Okay. He literally... literally and it's kind of sword and sorcery where it starts. Yeah, yeah. And he started self-publishing from Kitchener, Canada. Uh, and he became the largest self-published independent comic book. And he literally, in his first couple of years of drawing it, he was like, I'm going to make this 300 issues. You know, I'm going to make and this that's a 30-year book. Yeah. Oh, oh, good, good, yeah. So was so it uh, he, one he, a month? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And there were some months he missed, and there were some, you know. Yeah. It was He's got two, he got two that he can yeah. miss, so. Um, but yeah, so he literally, like... If you read this comic book, you see him evolve as a person. Mm. You see him go through his divorce, and like, and he writes a forward into each one. If you actually read it, it's and reflective it's of his life. And yeah, and, but you see the arcs with the character of how he gets complex. And you literally can put two books next to each other. And the way that he just, he didn't write and have an artist work yeah. for him. He was the writer and the artist, and then he had an inker come in and finish. Gotcha. And it was black and white, and it's like if you want to look at a psychological study of a person right it's amazing and it's through all this this cultural you know lens upheaval yeah yeah and it, the story goes basically everywhere crazy it's so it's a dude's boring. life yeah. it's a, absolutely a narrative on his life yeah. so that's and so did you, know, you get into that in high school or is it post high school uh post yeah so when you, when you were kind of doing the high school thing i i assume you got better at academics when i talk about that i mean english yeah. and stuff Probably math, you killed it. Science, you killed it. Uh, I was a total sleeper. Yeah, I didn't really. really I didn't because really it was easier care. because you yeah. just didn't give a shit. I didn't really care. Yeah. Um, I was really good at languages. I didn't do athletics. Yeah. I'd, I've always been athletic outside of school, but not in it. What? 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 To your parents at that point? So they're moving over here, right? Like, uh -huh. like we uprooted our lives for, for the West, which apparently is a good thing, land of opportunity. What did? What was their expectation to follow in their footsteps or do be a doctor, or a lawyer? Or? Uh, they definitely just wanted me to go to school and yeah. use the degree, which I absolutely did not. Um, <laughs> don't don't tell them. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the uh, I think the one part that my family always pushed is that I need to be happy at whatever I do. Yeah, I mean that's you, brilliant because that's not a huge value that's no, communicated. And and as long as I'm happy doing what I do, yeah. they were I mean hardcore disappointed when I fell into service industry and fell <laughs> in love with it. But um, yeah, now that they 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 see that it's bearing different fruits. Yeah, you know they're they've definitely taken a very positive uh, approach to that it because it can they, be a career. Right? Yeah, they understand yeah. that it is absolutely a career for me. That's and amazing, and I work extremely hard at it. So it's not they show it respect now, which but, is good because it's this recent revelation in a sense that because for a long time, at least from what I understand and talking to people in the industry, you know the barman. It's my barman. It's Larry, right? He's yeah. not that particularly educated, but now you can yeah. work in as a, a beverage consultant. You can work as a beverage director. There's actually a lot of money to be made, but a career more for mostly. You know, honestly, um, 
So I have a I have a lot on this topic. Yeah. But the uh we talk a lot about prohibition and all that. And yeah, sure. it, it totally wiped the board and it it created a terrible system that we came back from. Right. And that's where, you know, American bar culture comes from. Yeah. But, you know, it's really different where I come from. Bar culture is not the same. Like not, people don't socialize. Is is drinking a big thread of Hungarian culture? I mean, it's a big thread of every culture. I've, I'm but, just making sure. Well, except absolutely. the fucking Mormons. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's not a culture. <laughs> the um, You go to um, Utah, man, and you figure that one out. But <laughs> yeah. The, uh, if you if you look, their their social structure, they don't socialize in a bar setting. We okay. do. We we the American system is modeled after the British system of public houses. Right, right, right. Where that's where you got together and socialize, had your plans yeah. and socialize. Where most of mainland Europe is not. Really? I mean, our entire family island, island culture is always very strange based off of its its near nearest, you know, landmass. Yeah, yeah. You look at Japan versus mainland Asia. You look totally at different, right? Every island culture is just this warped thing. And our entire social drinking culture is based off a very very strange idea yeah, yeah. that isn't normal in mainland Europe. So most people drink at home. Yeah. You know, and they the, start uh, a larger yeah, yeah. like families and stuff. Yeah, yeah you, you go home and you put on music and you, you know, hang out and that's where you socialize. Yeah. You don't necessarily do it in public. I'm not saying one's better than the other. Sure, it's, it's just different. different. It's yeah. very different. <clears throat> so they didn't understand when I went into this, they're like, what are you doing? Like the people that live and hang out in bars are people that don't really have a life. They don't have right, friends. Right, right. You know? <clears throat> And and that's changing, you know. The Western way is actually invading Europe, um, but the um, it's a very different setup. Uh, so was that an inspiration to do stuff in that way? I know we've got we get the peanut gallery over here. We've got uh, Jules and Josh Hendricks. I feel like I'm at a porno convention where the stars and they just want to get a picture with us. Yeah, and they're doing all kinds of pantomime about fellatio. Yeah. And I really think Josh is about to drop his drawers. So before we look at that, I'm going to turn my head yeah, here. Yeah, I have to look. Yes. Uh, I, okay. There's yeah. nothing about that that sounds <laughs> sounds interesting to me. So um, so yeah, let's 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 move into. Yes. Like, I'm going to stop talking about Hungary at some point. But I'm so curious about Hungary. Um, so what no, we have, right. what we have, you know, you have Rakia and you have. All kinds of different home distilled things. Right, right, right. Home, home distillation in Europe is like mm-hmm. home brewing here. Sure, it's you do it for the family and maybe very, some people that are neighbors. Embraced. Yeah, it's yeah. very embraced. Um, and for for where we come from, it's palinka. So it's an Aldevi. Okay. Um, What's it made from? Palinka is made from any fruit that's locally grown. Gotcha. Okay. So I grew up with plum, pear, peach, things like that. Anything that's locally grown. And it's a it's a fabric of the family no matter how old you are was there a point in which you're like not too young to drink it My, uh no i mean it's still you know they still raise you right they don't let you right. drink too young but my uh i think my first memory with alcohol yeah was uh my parents broke i guess a bottle of palinka and they left it they put it into a, a beer mug okay because they didn't want to leave it in the broken right broken right. top glass and they left it out on a counter you drank it i came out and i thought it was water because that's what <laughs> i drank water out of Ooh, water it, and I yeah was like and I screamed. This is water, but way better than water. Yeah, I was. I spit it out. I screamed, and then I immediately was like, Ooh. <laughs> "Um, that was my first memory." Um, I have a memory. Uh, just real quick, reaching for a Miller Light, I think, off of a table that I drank in 20 seconds as a young kid of five or six years old, and all I can remember, it's like a first person in a movie. My eyes shut, and I passed out, and I woke up. My dad was talking to my mom on the phone and said something happened. <laughs> Nice. There wasn't. There was an incident. 
Nice. Yeah. It happens, um, right? Like you, you drink it, absolutely. but it, did it make, do you feel like it was anyway a precursor to you being involved in that industry at all? I mean, it's hard to say when you're that young, but you know, uh, there's a, there's an executive chef that I work with right now. Yeah. Also a good friend of mine, Danielle McPherson. She, um, she was in an interview and she said, she said this very like, uh, truth you know it's you can never really escape where you come from no you can't and if you you can try but you're yeah, a dick you're just gonna cover it up yeah you have to embrace it but if you look at the way that eastern europe and that part of the world is religious mm. um like i was raised catholic yeah i don't believe in the spaghetti monster anymore sure. but i was raised catholic and even though i don't necessarily believe in religion it taught me how to be religious i see and it taught me how to be spiritually devote to yeah. something to something right yeah and Visible, um, yeah, non-proven, whatever. It's just commitment to something. Well, it's just, yeah, it's just faith in yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. And over there, you know, Palinka is this, you know, every, there's this pride in it. Mm-hmm. It's just like Mezcal. Sure, sure. There's this pride in it. It's made cultural. small. It's cultural. It's, it's fiery. Currency. It's hot. It's crazy. Yeah. It's not really, it, I mean, we move beyond it being currency. Not, but liter- not literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Symbolically. Again. But yeah, and it's, and it's very much part of the fabric. And, uh, that was kind of the first spirit that I had like a genuine connection with. Yeah. And I learned, you know, like I would go to churches, churches over there are very church, different. Church is chicken. Yeah. Church, absolutely. chicken. <laughs> no. uh, I would go. Sorry. To, but that, that, yeah. But I would go to church and I would have what I thought were religious experiences, uh-huh. you know? And I'm like, I guess that's, that's what they're talking about. But it wasn't. And I realized at some point and I was still young, I realized like it wasn't, the crazy voodoo stuff that's going on yeah it's it was actually the building i was in because if you walk into a church oh, there, it's amazing. magnificent yeah it's like stained a com- glass well it's not even that it's just like it's better than museums are here yeah like in a small town and it's such a a display of culture and aptitude and, and art aesthetic too and right? it's that massive aesthetics yeah and i've actually realized that culture is the thing that i'm most religious about when it comes to that and that's why i was in awe because i was surrounded by so much culture yeah. And uh, and that's my point of religion. And spirits are Same literally thing. the the reflection of a culture. Right. And uh, that was kind of the first time I had a, I guess, religious experience with uh, with alcohol. And we all um, think about religion as kind of black and white. It's yeah. like, well, I was bad, I was good, yeah. I'm gonna be good in afterlife or bad. But you can have religious experience. I think you're right. Like it doesn't have to be attributed to some. I think place. One important thing is, you know, a point is just a. a an area of space. Right, right. right. Uh, once you have a second point, you have a line. Yes. And then you can add a magnitude to it and make it a vector. Trajectory, right? yeah. Um, oh, so, did you say vector? Yeah. Did you really just say vector? Absolutely. The um, so <laughs> A true animation artist, right? <laughs> so the, the second, um, my, my second point uh, that kind of put me where I yeah, am yeah, yeah. came much, much later. I was already in the business. Um, good friends. It's ironic that I had to put it that way, but uh, Josh Yingling and mm-hmm. Matt Tobin hosted one of their amazing friends um and they basically had a uh, a private tasting for about eight people uh through the entire del mcgay okay um portfolio which i'd already tasted ma- majority of right with you know yoda himself you know mezcal yoda ron uh absolutely yeah and we just sat there at a private mezcal table yoda and uh and all like he did that. was uh just tell us stories of how each bottle in each village and yeah. and copita after copita, <clears throat> all I had was mezcal and water. That's mm-hmm. it. I didn't really try the cocktail. They sure. What's the point? Started off with yeah. yeah. Um, and then 
it was incredible and it was borderline religious like and i I remember driving home and i was not intoxicated in a way that you normally would i had this crazy body vibration yeah like it was felt amazing then i stop on my you know my nightcap spot on the way home and they immediately pour me a frenette and that's uh, what you do yeah a frenette and a beer and and i had the frenette and i immediately realized like i just ruined everything every bit of it and uh and that's when i realized that like obviously you know this is you know our bodies are an output of what we put in and if you experience a spirit just by itself it it can have that very different effect on you yeah and palenka was one and then agave was the second one interesting and it forms a very strong line sorry i'm taking notes yeah. <laughs> What's well, it going to um, be a triangle, everybody? What is that no, going to be? No, but if, if you haven't experienced the spirit, if you really genuinely enjoy a spirit like yeah. that, you should definitely just sit down and have your little oh, I, I, moment I just with totally that spirit. Agree. Yeah. Don't no water, just in the the right vessel, something that's neutral. I mean, that's but that's to be But have to be a but, but have a long experience of sure, not just sure. Well, if you get the narrator like Ron, I mean, yeah. fucking right, it's like a Absolutely. being in a sh- being in the presence of a shaman in a sweatshirt yeah, you know what I mean? completely a shaman. it totally is and he is and he Absolutely. guides you through it and it's yeah. a spiritual kind of experience but so that, so, was, that was it you know that's i mean that's the underlying skeletal structure of yeah what we're doing but 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 so i wonder still how that transition went to trying to be this animator uh-huh. to the industry i mean it's yes it's maybe a collection of colors and arranging that stuff no honestly i i fell out of school um Where you I, going to I, school? I finished school uh utd utd no shit yeah. okay you finish up then? Art and technology, yeah. Really? Yeah. For your... Uh, took a, took five or so. Well, I'm um, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> on the resume, you don't have to put that, by the yeah, way. You no, can just say four, it's a four, four year degree. degree. Four year degree. Um, In parentheses, six years. But yeah, so. and uh, I got my first bartending job through a Hungarian friend of mine. Just because, did you think that that's what... Because it seems like you hadn't had those awakenings yet, if you want to call it. Absolutely not. But no. like, so why... But I got into service industry and I was because? a uh, I didn't have a job, and I really needed a job, and I was in that <laughs> transitional state where yeah, yeah. I needed to move on to the next thing, and right. I was working on my portfolio, which is really difficult to do. It's sure. like, hey, we need this much experience, but I don't have that experience. Did you have? Did, were you having job leads and stuff with the? Yeah, absolutely. I was. Yeah. I was actually. So you're actively interviewing. Yeah, I was actually pursuing um, concept art oh, okay. and and animation for video games, which is really big around. Yeah, Dallas. for sure. Um, so I mean, it is from here. Yeah, like all that, all those giant yeah, video game huge. companies are here um gearbox, get sony in the state yeah. ea is in the state yeah um so but you're like up, in the meantime working, yeah, yeah i ended up working at this german restaurant and i was a waiter and i ended up killing it and i was really solid killing it means making a lot of dough or scoring a lot of Make, chicks no eating I mean, a lot of schnitzel what does that mean i, f- I feel like all the above works <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the um yeah. high volume <laughs> super super high volume restaurant yeah it's, been named the best german restaurant what's it called if you don't uh, mind bavarian grill you okay and it's uh and it was very different I'd never been in that kind of industry before and it was enlivening right yeah yeah very yeah. much so it kind of brought me back from just being lost and uh the second i stepped foot in that door i was like oh, i need to be behind that bar Interesting. immediately what was so it I about dragged, the bar uh just it was big it was pretty of beers uh it was just it was just different you know it was yeah. like top of the mountain and I was down here. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Technically, the servers made a lot more money, but it didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so I dragged their trash every day. I loaded their kegs every day. Do you mind if I, if I say that, in a sense, it was as beautiful and as opulent as the churches you mentioned? Very much. I yeah. mean, it resembles it. It's very, you know, it has that same structure. Yeah. It, has that it same, feels like a chapel. In a sense, yeah, and it right? also has that 
a little bit of separation yeah that for us you know two feet of separation of yeah. the car yeah, yeah. they you know they have that separation between that and the pulpit you, know, you ready for your sermon kind yeah. Of thing, yeah and uh and i definitely wanted up on that pulpit you Interesting. Know? and the uh and i just hard work earned my way into it it took yeah. a couple of years to put me back there and then i was a beast so what was something that took your interest was it beer was it, it was making beer. cocktails around there we had no almost no cocktails i, I didn't know how to make cocktails at all it didn't matter though, at I, that point and i immediately made like a i wouldn't call it a two-year plan or a five-year plan but yeah. I immediately made a plan i work at this bar and i take this bar experience and i get a job in dallas somewhere amazing Done. And so how far exactly, outside of dallas was that place uh it's in plano okay it's in plano so okay. it's at it. 25 miles but yeah the uh so i literally followed the plan exactly uh you, and but you I didn't started, realize you were following the plan did oh you? no i absolutely it. realized it yeah. um you're calculated uh, like a serial killer pretty much <laughs> <laughs> who needs emotions the um so i um yeah i got a job at the libertine bar as a bar back Amazing. and i was older than all their other bar about backs. how old at that point i think i was 27 26. oh shit so so you were at the german place for a bit then yeah yeah i was there for three years okay um so i was like 26 somewhere how was like, the animation thing coming uh out? man i was still kind of i was in my head i'd already given up on it you know really? I, didn't, I didn't want that There's no leads like job wise or you just I were just, falling out of I, love with it i fell in love with something else yeah you know? i moved away from that and it's always been part of my my skill set so i've always done t-shirts and posters right right and benefit this and that and so i've always used my art skills so i don't feel like i've wasted any of that yeah. time the um just it wasn't it wasn't going to be facilitated in exactly the same way exactly you the, diversify uh, and then i started working at the libertine and we you know that's where i learned how to i kind of taught myself yeah and it's funny because the um that you know, at first I learned how to do good stuff, mm -hmm. make good drinks, and then people would tell me, "Hey, I don't get drinks if you're not here." I'm really? Like, that's kind of an insult to somebody that's a, <laughs> supposed to be a leader. That means I'm yeah. separating myself. I'm not empowering. But the you're not intentionally me. doing it. You're just inherently just, talented. That's right? how it. That's how it. Just that's just how it developed. Yeah. And uh, and then and the owners there are extremely empowering. They're very, you know, vehemently non-corporate. Yeah. Very independent. Same as the German guy was very independent. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, and very, you know, these two guys, Simon McDonald and uh, and Mike Smith, were extremely empowering. And mm -hmm. they're like, "Yeah, keep doing it," you know. And to an extent, why wouldn't they? I'm making the money, right? But it's money for um, them, yeah. But it, I, it, I developed all all of my everything under that umbrella. Was there something that you particularly found interesting, spirit wise, at that point, or just like all of it? Just gave me all yeah. The I was knowledge. just in a new pool, you know. Yeah. I was just, I was I was diving as deep as I could. Sure. And uh, and then developing the systems of how to train everybody around me yeah was actually institutionalize really institutionalize the yeah, talent yeah. in a way right absolutely and we lost a couple people over that but i mean we created really solid do intro you, staff do you think that you're pretty tough and kind of west or eastern european yeah i'm old? not the most forgiving of teachers yeah at all um you i never killed a guy though, <laughs> yeah i mean i wouldn't tell you if I did. <laughs> you're smiling a little bit much actually i don't know where the dude ended this up this is but. why i grow a beard so you can't tell i'm smiling um but yeah the um <clears throat> yeah the uh so i um so we launched ironically we launched our classic menu which okay. had seven out of ten gin drinks interesting and which that neighborhood was not into right you know at that point well no um, one was we were changing point. minds one at a time at that point yeah and we launched that i think the same month or the month after cedars opened okay so if it gives you so, context absolutely was, yeah talking to jules just a second ago like this was, parallel path right yeah and i was i was always it was it's ironic because if you look at my development and anybody that's come out of my camp yeah. um 
we've always been very separate, but mm -hmm. always related. Like I've always had one foot. Where was the wall? Uh, <laughs> in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Right, so I, I kind of yeah. just like picture this yeah, wall. Like, it's our side versus your side, Martin. Well, it's, it's, no, it's really not. It's just no, it's, no, not versus, but just yeah. a different school, like siloed it's, it's out, an, right? It's an, it's like um, you know, evolution on a yeah. like on an island. It just yeah, yeah, it yeah. goes the same way, but it, it like I was always separate but same. Very much, which I, is uh, a racist thing. Sorry, but that was terrible. It yeah. was. A, yeah. well, we brought it there. But at least it's his, history. <laughs> at least we um, show we both have some. Uh, you know, but yeah, the 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 thing is, like, I made a genuine, honest attempt mm -hmm. at always being in touch with the community. Yeah, and whether and at first it wasn't, you know, cocktail bartenders. It was all the old guys that come came from the pubs, right? And, um, of you know, Peter and Fergal. Yeah, um, who were the two guys that you know established bar culture in Dallas for twenty five years. Right. So I, you know, revered those guys, and I learned how to bartend before I learned how to make drinks and sure. I learned how to serve before I learned how to bar. Right. It's the, it's the yeah. fundamental. It's one-on-one. That's, yeah, it's one-on-one. Right. That's how you learn. You have to yeah. learn how to take care of people before you start trying to make drinks. That sure. has nothing to do with the drink. Right. Absolutely. Um, and honestly, I developed my beer, uh, skills first. How long were you at Libertine then? Um, Libertine was five years. Oh, that's a good stint more than most. Yeah. I literally have, I've had, you know, three jobs. Really? And, uh, I've had many, many jobs, but I've had those three jobs can, you know, consistently. Yeah. I don't bounce around a lot. If you, if your intention is to build, you can't bounce. I agree. Um, so you're not married yeah. though, right? No. Nope. Well, I can't see. I yeah, can't to the see. game. That's, that's it. <laughs> married, yeah, married to the I game. Married the job. <laughs> kind of ruins the love life. That's the, romantic uh, in a weird way. And terrible and terrible. not sustainable, but romantic. Yeah. Very true. So um, where'd you head after Liberty? Uh, you know, the Libertine was kind of my home base. Yeah. I took on a day at, a week at Parliament. Oh, sure. Or not okay. Parliament. I'm sorry. Um, what was it called? No, no, no. Lucky's place before that. Oh, Chesterfield. Chesterfield, yeah. Chesterfield, okay. So Chesterfield uh, was supposed to be a Michael Martinson, uh, Eddie Campbell joint, yeah. which went very sideways. Apparently that went sideways very with the sideways. clamor in the background. Yeah, and uh, a friend of mine joined on as a bar manager, and he basically talked me into one day a week. Yeah. And so I gave up one of my days off, and I did that, and it was fun. I told him three months, and I worked the three months. Yeah. And I walked out. Moved on. Yeah, put in my letter, and I just... Went back to having my day off, yeah. and then, um, and then we did the same thing with Smith. Omar tricked me via text message. <laughs> play, play, tell me of this ruse, this great ruse that Omar it was, it was, perpetrated. He, uh, they were they all always called it the establishment. It didn't have the name Smith. Okay, and um, and I always told him I'm not going to work there. Yeah, I don't have time. And he was like, okay, and he sent me this text message, and it was it was, hey man, are you going to come uh, hang out and you know help us with Bar Smith? I was like, is this a teaching thing? Like, I'd already been doing a lot of educational stuff. <laughs> right, right. And, Which and appeals to thing. party. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, when is it from when to when? And he was like, oh, it's, you know, we'll probably be done around like midnight or one. Like, okay. Where is it? He's like, dude, you've been here. And I was like, what? Establishment? Did you just trick me into a bar shift? And it's a conversation that took like a day and a half. And he's like, yep. <laughs> so I went in. Worked, so you are you shift. part of the core group, the dream team at Smith, then? Um, yeah, uh, it was Saturday night. It was me, Hendrix, and uh, Omar. Generally no shit. Speaking. Yeah, so I gave up every Saturday night to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, how man, how was that? So for a guy that never get to to go, yeah, for a guy yeah, that was, never got to a, go, it's a mix. What yeah. for for someone that never got to attend Smith and only read about the Eater articles about how you guys would flip off people that have canceled their reservation. Yeah. Rightfully so. Think, what, what Was it something special in there? Was it an incubator of talent? That's um, what I get. That's what I you got. You know, there. it's... 
coming from outside of Dallas, yeah. you, you know, there's a, the politics of each city are very, very different, sure, especially sure. in Texas. We're lucky enough to have four major markets in one, Huge. four major, it's its own mar- like very distinct markets. Sustain a business you just can't, from Texas. You yeah. can't compare Houston politics to Austin, to right. San Antonio, or to Dallas. It just doesn't, it just sure, doesn't sure. translate. And we say Dallas, we mean Dallas and Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, but in Dallas, there's, you know, Michael Martinson put together uh, a juggernaut of talent. You know, yeah. if you look at San Antonio, it's Esquire. Sure, Esquire sure, sure. grew the Houston tree. That's Jesse, yeah, but that's yeah. where literally the the roots of everything the come from. And you can trace them. Yeah, you're they're right. Such you're a small totally family. Right. And uh, midnight and you cowboy look at or Fino in Austin. Yeah, absolutely. So. And if if you look at ours, you know, Mike did that rooting, and uh, and then when Smith, you know, turned into what it was, it was special. It yeah. was nice, but it was special based on who was there. No, of course. It, that, that's so what there were there was you you were not going to get the same experience twice, basically. Yeah, which was the whole point. And if if I'm not sure that we did a great job of explaining that or yeah. communicating that to people is that hey, this is just a one-off unicorn. Like it's never you're not going to come here and get the same. Did you twice. realize how short-lived it would be? Uh, in no way. But yeah. you're just kind of doing it, right? Yeah, but it was magic. You know, I really enjoyed working with that specific group of people. Yeah, and I don't like I learned through other venues to not get flustered in yeah. certain situations. So when we couldn't control the door or one of the owners decided to let in 40 people on a Saturday when we're doing individual custom drinks right. without server staff, without bar stools. You the, know. the beginning of the end. Well, it was just... Because that's not, I mean, that's not I, sustainable. No, but I, I, I laugh in, that, in the face of that because it's enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, I, I just go bring it on like more like I don't so care. you're a miss or no not a, mis- a masochist basically yeah, yeah. The, i uh, hear that's big and hungry no judgment we, uh, but you know the joke was made a couple of weeks ago um and i told people that if you know when they bury me i don't want to be buried in a suit i uh-huh. want you all to go out collect all your your well tickets from a saturday night Wrap i want you up. that on it you know, I want that in my casket. With I me. believe the Romans did that for yeah. their heroes. Well, I <laughs> weapons, yeah, yeah. You can put a sword in there for me too. But um, where should we put it? His groin or his heart? I don't know, man. Let's drive it through somewhere. <laughs> He's coming back. Do you think with his heart or his balls? We don't. Yeah, we certainly man, don't want him coming back with those brains. Yeah, the um, man. Our and I think the the development of talent was extremely positive at first, and then I think. You know, not to ruffle any feathers, I'm yeah. going to, but no, do it, please, because this is all in the past now. Smith absolutely. is this thing that happened, and it's and it's, and it's over. I, I don't think Smith was negative ever, yeah. um, but I think it um, it was definitely not received well by right. certain parts of the community because it was like the cool club sure. that they weren't a part of, and we you made feel like it saying look, fuck them right now. No, okay, no, like sorry. I do, I kind of, I, I love like everybody outside of it. I love everybody inside of it, yeah. and I had the unique experience of having one foot in and one foot out everybody else was 100 percent committed uh-huh. i was i had my day job i had my ice company and i had smith yeah so i was spread in a way that gave me perspective and the ability to interface with people outside of that line and right, inside right. of it it's very yeah it's very similar to the way that you know bobby hugel uh-huh. and alba and the houston crew how they had that line in the sand sure sure you know Pace back in the day yeah. yeah well even way before, or, uh, way before, way before that, that. Right, you know right. anvil was you know, it was like the anvil thing. It was mm-hmm. like, well, you're either cool enough or you're not. Yeah. And thank God we've come and we've, you know, erased that line in the sand. But obviously it ended in a, ended in a walkout, which yeah. was 100% justified. Because but, so of, without getting into great detail, although I think you'd be the person to get into detail about it, like what the fuck happened if you could tweet it? 
what exactly? Um, if I could tweet it, yeah. If you could tweet it, well, exactly? it was just um, it was one bad business partner, sure, uh, basically sinking an entire company. Got it. And the other business partner, which would be Mike, uh-huh. um, desperately Solve. tried to take over the business and save it. It was his baby, and honestly, he. You know, it it just didn't work out, and he had to jump off the boat. Yeah, and I was actually literally delivering ice to whiskey cake, um, and my phone just blows up on a Sunday, and it's all these people just with this outpouring positivity. Yeah, you know, and I was not at the I was not at that meeting uh, where he told them that he has to move on and that he'll make him a new spot. Right, and, right. You know, like keep your jobs, do what you got to do, mm-hmm. and then they all captain my captained it and just walked the fuck out. Do you know? Is, uh, do you follow the Beach Boys at all? Do you listen to the Beach Boys? So, so we'll just let's put it this way: like, so they do pet sounds. Everybody knows pet sounds. And Brian Wilson kind of went to the side and he says, "I'm going to do this thing, and it's going to be the greatest thing you've ever heard. I'm going to compete with the Stones. I'm going to make this record that's so multifaceted, so beautifully melodic. No one will have heard anything like it before." And then he goes crazy, has some relationship problems, and never gets released. So for me, like as an outsider, like in Austin, right? This Smith thing is like so romantic in yeah. the sense like it existed for sh- such a short amount of time very. and you couldn't even get there. Um, which, whichever. So we have a very rarely in life are we subjected with the choice of mezcal from Josh here. Um, I saw them drink the Pablo Actually, so so I'll finish up this. So it was something special and it's great to to hear the story about Smith. And I didn't thought about this before, but is it possible that I could coax... Oh, a group of people into recreating Smith somewhere into Austin. Uh, it's already happened a couple of times. Has it? You know? um, uh, well, I've, I've seen some some of the people for sure. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> let me just finish up exactly yeah, please, what please. happened. Um, so you had this chemistry of really great people that worked yeah. really well together because none of our skill sets were the same. Right. But it could have only worked at that time at that place. Exactly. That's the thing. It was yeah. good timing. Um, so you can't really recreate it in a way because it won't make sense. That's a good context wise. Sure. The, I mean, we've we've recreated it in, on on the road. We've done it in little pop ups, and mm-hmm. we've had fun. But it's just it's not the same. Yeah. Um, it's like the Eagles yeah, once, getting back once together. That, once that walkout happened, you know, there was a there was such a camaraderie in that group of people. Yeah. It was like people coming back from war. You know, um, they 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 stuck together hardcore. Sure. And that night, literally, I was delivering ice in the morning, and then I had my Sunday night shift. So I just pulled a bottle of off the wall i was like hey everybody come in and drink it so we drank it and everybody signed the bottle and we gave it to martinson um that was it and it was r.i.p smith on a fernet bottle it's poetic and it was gone that's, um that's beautiful the downside which was a huge downside for dallas and i think it's uh shame on us for doing it is that that group of people at that point should have followed the new york system not their own system right so in that system all those people should have scattered to the wind yeah. Every single person should have taken over a program somewhere and started their own disciples, started teaching those right, skills to right. other people. But they didn't. We we grouped up, you know, to an extent. And I say we and I'm intrinsically a part of it even though I had a job and I had a totally different identity. Right. Um I was still committed to it. You're still, still a, a a supporting forward or Absolutely. supporting point guard. Um right? but all of that talent clumped up and it didn't share its knowledge with the rest of the community. And the next level of kids that are coming up yeah. should have been put through that filter. Would have been so valuable, right? Extremely, yeah. and it and it didn't. Unfortunately, that was that was our biggest, you know, downside or downfall. 
yeah. is that that talent was capped. A lot of those people ended up taking brand jobs and coming out of the bar. Getting so instead of starting this yeah. like renaissance of yeah, an election. Like, absolutely. The, the seeds were kept in the pod and they weren't allowed to start the forest. That's actually even more poetic that it, yeah. it was... It, never became what it could have yeah and people and, just they dissipated out and they kind of diluted out you know? yeah and and a lot of us ended up in brand positions yeah and unfortunately is what it is no, I'm just kidding. so that's that's kind of the, the tier you know the single tier for smith yeah. is that a can't ever really happen again even yeah. though we romantically perfect. love it the, we enjoyed, the weather was perfect yeah, and everything yeah. yeah it it will never happen again but the upside of it is that you know we've gone past that yeah those people have gone to the wind and the forests are it's coming back to life yeah well, so let's. So this is a beautifully poetic pause because I again I look at it as this interesting special moment. Mm -hmm. People in the right place at the right time. Everybody imparting their knowledge, and you do something incredible, almost like cosmic yeah. in, in the impact. And then it was lost. Yeah. If this was VH1 storytellers, we would, <laughs> this would be commercial. Stevie business. Stevie Nicks would be like, "All right, everybody." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's well. So let's sip the mezcal. That we've got coming here, yeah. which is the Papilla Metal. Oh, that's beautiful, Josh. I'm seeing now a picture of the sign for that Bronco bottle from the last night, the RIP night, Smith. This is an item to be auctioned off when Jason Cosmos <laughs> has a that's Martinson. That's no. a, I gave it to Martinson, so he should have it. Oh, that's killer. So, yeah, and then my road went very differently. So. Well, so how do you feel about this Papilla Metal fermented in cow's hide? And I assume I, I got to taste it. What do you think the proof is on this guy? It's two I times mean, copper, from what I understand. I'm I'm gonna I mean I'm, I'm gonna have to put it at the fifty line, mm. maybe a little bit lower, but mm. like it's I mean we're looking triple digits, easy. Mm. I would call maybe in the nineties, mid nineties, if. No, I'm with you. Yeah, probably fifty one, fifty two. Yeah, I. What do you think? The first heat off, it's great. It's really, it's really rich and really round. And meaty. Yeah, it's and it's not very smoky. No, like it's not, not at all. traditional. What you think of as, you know, your chichicapa. Hey, right. It's like you know, um, there's a. I was into scotch a lot, and I was never into agave. Yeah, scotch. When, when, yeah, when did that happen? When uh, for me, scotch got me into smoke. Smoke got me into chichicapa, and chichicapa yeah. got me into monero. Monero got me into agave. So I, I want to ask you. I went mezcal to tequila, not I tequila see. to mezcal. Oh, not to, okay. I never enjoyed tequila. You got because, rough to smooth. Yeah. Basically. I, well, I, or more gritty to smooth. Yeah. And, and I, I, the tequilas I was um, ex exposed to were yeah. vodka tequilas. Right. They're just so, so I, they had no, They had nothing to them. Um, no comments. <clears throat> but yeah, the, there's always that, that catalyst moment. And it was, and I could tell you what it was for art. I could tell you what it was for spirits. And I could tell you what it was for, the greater experience, you know. Yeah. For, um, I mean, this all begs the question: What was it for art? For you? Yeah, for art. Uh, Mondrian. Mondrian, really? So Did I you see uh, some in person. Yeah, I at the Dallas Museum of Arts. There's composition with blue square. Yeah. And it's basically my happy place in the world. Blue, blue, a good color for you. Uh, I love all blue. The, all the complimentary, all, all the. Um, so basically, it's a composition. Yeah. I was taking a design class. I was doing a lot of figure drawing, and mm. it's a very transportive thing. Um, focusing on something so hard, it, it kind of takes you outside of your Rothko, body. Rothko, man. Um, to an extent, I think Rothko's a bitch. But, <laughs> At uh, least we can argue about it. That's good. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but the, uh, so I was on this, I had to get five different pieces, and I had to write about them, and I kept seeing this piece out of the corner of my eye. Yeah. And I, it wasn't what I was supposed to write about. And I had like no time to finish this thing up, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna write about that. I don't care." Yeah. 
Yeah. And I sat there and I stared at it. And I was under a deadline, like hard deadline. Like yeah. I had to turn in. This that is night. for college, though, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I'm sitting there trying to process this thing, and and then I take two steps back and go, no, this is primary colors, lines, yeah. and boxes. I'm going to take this apart from, as a design problem. Interesting. Where's the focal okay. point? Try to find a focal point. Didn't really find it. Is it balanced? It's absolutely balanced. Yeah. Where's my eye being led? This, that. I understand that primary colors, black and white, have a natural inherent hierarchy to them. Sure, sure. Right? So Absence and addition, right? Yeah. Yeah. One's, one, well, one advances to your eye faster than the other. Right. What, um, what is what's that relationship? Is white advance yes, first? Yeah. yeah. White advances. Any, the lighter the color is, the sure. quicker you see it. Okay. Um, so we ended up, I ended up staring at this thing for a long time, and then I realized there is no focal point. The, your eye doesn't stop anywhere. Is that this, good this or bad? dude literally took primary colors, black and white, uh-huh. and put it into a composition that destroyed the way that your eye works, enforcing it to be in a hierarchy. Wow. So he literally, and and that and genuinely communicated a topic. And I went and then I went and read the little, you know, right, plaque, right, yeah. And um, and it was called neoplasticism, and it's basically his allegory to nature. You know, it's an, a hierarchy that exists inherently. The big fish eats the little right. fish. But that hierarchy is uh, in no way uh, the only thing that runs the the mechanism of right, right. an ecosystem. So it's basically nature yeah. in primary colors, black and white. Wow. And through composition, he was able to cancel out the functions of your eye, which wow. is insane. And at that point, I literally just took two steps back and go, "Okay, I can like I can like high art and you know, especially you know." non-realistic art yeah, yeah, and I, was, yeah. I was completely blown away amazing so then i asked then for the same for spirits what was that aha or that art moment that changed um, your perspective well it was those um it was the the, the delmagate tasting yeah, yeah it was the delmagate tasting um and then the uh obviously my first sip of booze yeah if you apply like where i come from and how i grew up and the religious thing you applied it to it mm-hmm. you see that it's the the religious thing is what gives you the the magnitude which turns it into a vector and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's where i am today do you think yeah. in vectors now is that your mind is that your process it's just a good analogy for that idea <laughs> um but yeah the uh so you asked what am i doing today yeah uh so i'm working as if with, you weren't heavily busy all the time but you had three gigs yeah so the first is at libertine what's the second um it was um always one day off somewhere Okay. Okay. So um, the floating gig. Yeah. And then number three is now. The well. No, it was it was the Bavarian Grill Libertine. Got it. Okay. And then currently it's HG Supply Company and Remedy. Gotcha. So I met Elias Pope by him coming into the Libertine repeatedly, and he. Um, I've never seen somebody cultivate a culture like this. And how did he? And do I watched. It? him interact and they would come in for drinks after work mm-hmm. they were opening a, a restaurant it's rough you do that you keep your you know you keep all your people together right, you have right. them bond before work during work and after work and that's how you keep everybody Cultivating on the culture, yeah. yeah and the way that he treated his people was I've, I've never really seen it before and they didn't turn their shirts inside out when they went out and drank they absolutely all of them wore the shirt it was like a group it was like a band of you know yeah uh, it was the medal of honor kind of thing right? yeah and it was it was you know, I, I watched. I basically watched them for about a year from across the street, develop and conversation led to conversation. My ice company got bigger and bigger and harder to manage. Mm-hmm. And I, what was your ice company called, or is the, or was uh, is? Um, it's in flux right now. It's called the Cold Standard. Okay. Um, it's more than an ice company. Is why it's hard to call it an ice company. I see. Um, 
literally I could go on for three hours about just that topic. The, um, <laughs> well, yeah, business and yeah. all that, right? Yeah. But you, so well, you guys are still operating now, you're saying? Yes. Um, but that's but, a tangent. So yeah. let me, let me sure, finish sure. No, the good. thing. So I actually had a, a great conversation. Woo, Topo Chico. I had go. a great conversation with Omar Ifun, which mm-hmm. a lot of dude. these happen, you know, when in cars locked <laughs> in a trip from Austin to here. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you're locked in a three-hour conversation with an extremely right, intelligent right. human being, something's going to be born out of it. Sure. Um, and we started arguing, and I was like, "Man, I don't. I'm tired of bars being cluttered mm-hmm. and with the tools and the ego and the bullshit and the ingredients and your dying knees and all your fucking shaker tins. Right, right. I'm tired of it. I want to make a clean bar that has nothing on it, to where it's not about the tools. It's not the, about uh, the like process. drink in Boston. Yeah. Yeah, very similar yeah. to where it's about my interaction with you. Absolutely. And the drink comes you second. strip the brands completely. completely. Yeah. Well, not even just stripped the brands, stripped of the ego of the process. Got it. Um, there's this incredible figure drawing artist in Austria that does classes and month-long classes. And it's impossible to get into. Mm-hmm. But for the first week, he forces you to have the same piece of paper. You just rub out your drawing. Wow. Rub out your drawing. You think about doing 30, 40 drawings a day. Right. It just becomes this and thing. And it's only represented at the end of the day by one drawing, right? Maybe, yeah. if not if not nothing. Yeah. But the whole point is you're not, he forces you to remove yourself from the process of making a product. Got it. And forces you to focus on the process. So the process is the conversation I have with you. The yeah, product yeah. is what I put in your hand. I don't care about the product as long as I can deliver the process. Right, right. Um, so just in that same way, I wanted to clear the board. And then I started looking at things as I was trying to make a very clean-looking bar, and I realized you know, that I'd been making the same mistake everybody makes, which is assuming that the way that a bar is built is it's how it's the right way it's built. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not. You look at an ice well, it's, all it does is move you a foot and a half away from your workspace. Then you mm-hmm. add a couple of rails, um, speed rails, and now you're even farther. You can't use the immediate space where your hand is supposed to yeah. naturally fall. Because so lots of, it's lots of uh, it falls short in lots of functional ways. Right? It's, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. And uh, people have attached a bunch of things to it and added bells and whistles, right. but they're still polishing turds sure. at that point. Um, so I designed a different well, and that's where it started, and moved the well out to one side, mm-hmm. which allows the well to be, to, to be able to, to be stocked from behind so mm-hmm. I don't have to get moved for a bar back to fill that well. Right. And it allows the well to be split between two people without having to colloquially monkey fuck each other for right. everything. That's not colloquial. I think that's a universal term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Josh Hendricks basically monkey fucked one well while Omar worked on the other one by himself. God, that's yeah. a dirty well. Yeah, it's a terribly it was, it dirty was bad. well. Yeah. yeah, it was bad. But so you're thinking about re-engineering the well, we concept, already have. Right. So, so what I did was, um, I mean, I can't show your podcast drawings, but we basically designed a bar where your ice well was to the side, mm-hmm. and that freed up all the space in front of you. So, yeah. um, the original plan was to put a cabinet a cabinet um, system for all of your tools, me's, everything cut yeah. to where it's out of sight, out of mind, and easy to access. Right. And then three-quarter angle speed rails going into the bar, sure. which allows you to stay in flush with the bar. Got it. So all for the sense of efficiency uh-huh. and effectiveness, right? Uh, no, uh, ergonomics. Not ergonomics. Ergonomics. Well, I mean, ergonomics contributes to what? Health, Absolutely. Yeah. efficiency. And longevity of yep. career. That's right. So thank you. Thank you, Josh Hendricks, Topo Chico. Topo Chico. In the house now. In the house. So, in the, you, I don't. Did you mention which bar this was that you built this way? Um, it's it's remedy, remedy but it's, is this way. this okay. is an idea that started before my involvement with that company. Yeah, and the drawings existed before that company. Sure. And you illustrated it. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely. I can show you drawings. There, they people tell me like, uh, 
oh, it's a cool computer. Like, that is a hand-drawn piece of paper. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I ended up in a conversation with Elias Pope, and the dude's uh, magical when it comes to captivating his audience. Yeah, yeah. And he was interested in my ability to train a staff right. and to retain that staff. And I was interested in the ability to take these ideas and apply yeah. them. And we kind of shared the ideas, and it was like, yes and yes. So when, when, what, would you, what year would you say you guys kind of forged that friendship or working partnership? Um, I think it was a year and a half, two years ago. Okay, so pretty recent. So yeah, you yeah. were in your 30s at that point. Yeah. Um, we're actually the same age. He's a really? little bit older than me. So He's taller, isn't he? Uh, taller, yeah. Yeah, I hear he's uh, Old Landry's background. Interesting. Okay. And extremely creative on top of it, which doesn't make Not a lot, a of, lot sense. of sense. Yeah. He's creative with systems the way that we're creative with ingredients and items yeah. and conversation, you know? Um but yeah, it was very much between him, me, and the executive chef. It was very much a, um, you know, partnership, it was cooperative, like, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was not not a partnership. It was kind of like your uh, creative soulmates. You know, you like, started a band together. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We, it's like when the Smiths started for that first five years. Right, like magic. It doesn't they matter kick, what happened. Yeah. They kick you out yet, Marcy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely not more. Did one. you croon enough? Yeah, Johnny. The, um, so it started, and it took a lot of. Again, I was blessed with having the proximity for somebody that is willing to take my completely you know I, some people call it out of the box thinking i don't think there's a box right that's why i'm able to do these weird ass things it's that, just thinking to you it's i just i don't like i don't you don't think about this is where david bowie it? comes in yeah david bowie is amazing not because of his um the multitude of characters right um it wasn't that it was he was able to comp continually evolve and reinvent himself yeah but you look at where he started you know Everything was oh, genuine. It's it's everything totally was genuine. No makeup. No, yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah, but like you look at the culture that he started, and it was very. It was about authenticity. It was about being straightforward. Right. Uh, very touchy feely guitar acoustic crap. Very hunky dory. And then, and then yeah, absolutely, I got you. And then, and then he <laughs> took two steps into the industry, and he re and he wanted to be an actor. He wanted yeah. to be a character, and he's like, I'm gonna be the exact opposite of everybody else, and yeah. I'm gonna make it awesome, and. At first, he was reacting to his environment, and then he was reacting to himself. Like he literally realized, okay, well, I'm this guy, and well, I'm not going to be that guy tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Not just in my ideals, I'm going to be a radically different looking, acting, thinking human being. Mm -hmm. And that, after I realized the magic of David Bowie, is basically how my brain works. I kind of force myself to. I have enough clarity to, you know, self awareness to know what I am, and I know exactly how to change that. So that allows me to keep doing things that don't make any sense, but they're still quality. Do you feel like uh, there's this in, in, inert uh, uh, willingness or inert proclivity to de redefine yourself when really there's not anybody asking you to redefine yourself? It's 100% internal. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's like driven like, no, no, I'm going to do it different now. Yeah. Right. But the, well, why, why, Monte? Why would you do it differently? Um, but the constant sense of trying to reinvent yourself, it's just, it, it's ongoing it's, and, per, and, and, and perpetuity to an, like to an extent i i take that same idea and rather than changing the way i dress and change the way i talk yeah i don't you know i change the way i think and i change the way shave i shave a beard talk. here and there yeah well yeah, that, that works too but but i change i literally look at every aspect of my life whether it's personal whether it's professional which yeah lately there's not been much difference between those two but right. um i look at it and i force myself not to look take those answers as for granted which is why i was able to look at that bar design and go this is fundamentally wrong yeah and we can change it and the only way to create positive change is a fundamental first step change yeah so we redesigned it in this way that allows you to stand 
straight. It allows you to be at a proximity with your guest where right. it's a conversation. You're not shouting. You're not uncomfortable. You're not in this awkward, hunched-over position, which inherently the person on the other side, even if you have a great personality and you're smiling, no, they they're still going that. to have that internal empathy where they, they see you su- struggling. Yeah. Also, the problem that that creates is that this equipment becomes a barrier, and that's a 15-year time barrier. Show me somebody that's worked 15 years behind an American a current American bar right. that doesn't have a broken something. Right, it's your right. back, your legs, your... Or repetitive injury, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So repetitive injuries, um, to an extent, force people out of the bar. Sure. Um, so the back end of this design is that we want to take that repetitive injury out. The ergonomics. We, like absolutely. Said, yeah. So if we can make a bar that's ergonomic, where service is the number one, like we're set up to pay attention to service over uh, producing drinks. Yeah. Um, then we can create a, an environment where we can retain our people yeah. longer. Is this what you want to do? Do you want to be a beverage director? Do you want to start a distillery? Do you want to open your own place? I mean, it seems like at some point you're going to grow past this. You know, I, mean, I don't know that, but it well, seems like it. We're going to go David Bowie on this one. Yeah, please. Um, it's not what I'm doing. I, I love what I do. I love being behind a bar. Yeah. And, Anytime where I step out of the bar for an extended period of time, I'm not very happy. Right. Um, I'm here to change the world, a very small, very restricted world. Yeah. Okay. A niche. Um, of the market yeah, yeah. Point, yeah. But I'm definitely my my mindset is absolutely focused on changing changing the world. The world. There's I don't. At some Nothing point, else people stop. Right? Yeah. Well, no. At some point, people started started telling themselves that they couldn't do that. Right. And I don't do that to myself. I never. The only thing, the only restriction I have is that I will not restrict my thinking into a certain box or a certain idiom or right, certain right, right. wavelength. And that's the only reason I, these ideas, they're not, they're everywhere. They're all around you. You're just telling yourself no when you look mm-hmm. at them. And I don't tell myself no when I look at them. And that's why I can think around it is yeah. because I'm not restricting myself. That's all I'm doing different. So what does it look like for you if you've had all the influence and all the impact, even honestly, right? Because we talk about influence and people could say, well, it's, it's uh, coupled with these kind of ulterior motives. You seem like you're sincere. You seem like you have a truly like pure motive. What does that look like? What do you want your impact to be? You talk about changing the world, but what does that mean? In 15 years, yeah. if I'm traveling to New York or if I'm traveling to Chicago, if I'm traveling to Minnesota, it doesn't matter, and I see another 50-year-old bartender or I see a young bartender in a, in a, in a physical system that somewhat resembles what I'm building, like it doesn't have to be mine, mm-hmm. doesn't have to be my idea, but something that responds to them as a human being. If people realize that that equation, if you set it up correctly, ends with a 50-year-old bartender, and that 50-year-old bartender is always better than anything else yeah. around it. My goal is very selfish in a way. I want to still bartend when I'm 50. So I have to create a system around myself that enables me to do so. So the current one doesn't, and yeah. it's in my way, so I have to change it. Does that, um, does that in some way pay homage to your grandparents and maybe what kind of was a very solid foundation for you? Because, I mean, who most people, if you talk to them, they're not, they're not saying, well, I'm fighting for the rights of the career bartender who's in their 40s, who's yeah, in their 50s. Yeah. You're the first person I've talked to that says, that's really something I want to make sure we take care of. Them. Yeah. Make sure, which is us, but them, you yeah, know, because it's yeah. a different echelon of age. But where does that come from? Why, do you, why would you care? Not to say you shouldn't. Cause yeah. It's got to come from somewhere, right? Yeah, but all the dark ages of bartending in this country mm-hmm. come from us uh, neglecting that equation. Yeah, and you know this whole loss of the craft, and it, can we just say the word craft sixty more times? Like, sure. Um, 
but this whole it's an invective now yeah but it's 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 that um overly focusing on technique yes technique is extremely important but context is way more important content's more important yeah i i'm very fond of the that line a, a little amount of information is an extremely dangerous thing sure so knowledge without context is that little yeah. that little information that's going to kill you absolutely kill you absolutely. it's going to send you down the wrong path you're going to waste years and you're going to wake up unhappy you'll have done nothing yeah. um so establishing context for people is my number one key goal is like showing them not just this is a culture showing them you know the context of that culture that's where you get wow moments yeah. out of people yeah, yeah. and really connecting with another human being we have the ability unlike almost any other career to do so this old lady um uh, probably mid mid 40s walks into the libertine it's 4 p.m mm. uh probably about a thursday wednesday and i've got everything set up i've already gone through making everything i'm i'm in my zen state you know the, the whole right blind opening a place you very, and zen i'm trying to picture it but i'll, I'll go with you uh, i can turn <laughs> off my emotions very good, easily. good you mean <laughs> yeah, more than now I'm a, I'm a robot yeah you the, mean uh, more robotic slightly uh i'll clink more um lady walks in she has this very glossed over look in her eyes mm. and sits down like how's your day going are you okay and she goes i'm i'm fine i'm i'm okay and she's clearly not fine but yeah. she's accepted wherever she is like she's not breaking down she's yeah. clearly been through a lot and i was like okay i'm gonna get you a water is there anything else i can get you right now and i put the water down and she goes uh what, what okay i'll just get you a beer just calm down uh, and she was just processing a right, lot right. and i was like so tell me what happened and uh and she's like i just came from my um my grandmother's funeral yeah and she passed away uh and i literally just came from the funeral and i was like man that's i could see it all sure. over you that's sure. you know is what it is i didn't try to console somebody i don't know yeah yeah and i was like well i mean i don't know how long you're gonna hang out but while you have this beer can you tell me about her and she's like yeah and she shared a couple things and then I shared a couple things about my grandmother yeah. who passed away that same year. Um, and we kind of connected a little bit and she, you know, you could see the weight coming off of her yeah. and you could see her just thinking differently. And then she said something very awesome. Um, she said, went in and man, I have not been in a church in probably 15 years. Mm-hmm. And the, the priest was like really nice, really welcoming. And, and he didn't judge me and he didn't, like, I don't believe in any of this. And yeah. I think I even told him, and he didn't say any of those negative things. He didn't make me feel guilty about not coming to church. And I was really surprised by that. And I was leaving the church, and he turned to me and said, welcome back, as I was leaving. And it, and it, you know, it was kind of shocking. And yeah. it definitely made me think of church in a very different way. And, um, and we kept going, and we kept talking. Uh, she had a second drink. She, um, <clears throat> then she goes, man, I just realized this is probably the first bar I've been in in like 15 years, like wow. same amount of time. Like it's like, this is a very strange day of revisiting things for me right now. Sure. I was like, man, that's great. And I told her, I was like, there's this really interesting person that once told me kind of a life truth that works really only in America, yeah. but there's two doorways you're guaranteed to pass through in modern American culture. It's that of a church. It's that of a bar. There's some drinking, social eating establishment. Yeah. We could say restaurant, but let's face it. Sure, it's a bar. Sure. Um, your motivations, what happens within within those doors, what impact that has on you, mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the fact that you will pass through both of those doorways. And that way, we are extremely special because when people come in our doorway, 
they're there to enjoy themselves. Yeah. They may not be happy, but they're there to enjoy themselves. They're there to do something different. Like a mechanic always only sees people when there's problems. problems yeah. you know, doctors only see you when something's wrong. We see you when things are right. Yeah. You know, you come to celebrate with us. You come to share. You come to grieve. You come to do everything with us. Anything, it doesn't matter where the economy goes, people are drinking. You know, yeah. if it's good, people are drinking. If it's bad, people are drinking. They're always going to come to us, whether they're celebrating morning or whether they're just zoned out. Yeah. And we go on and I tell her about, you know, how bar culture has changed a little bit. And she's like, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. And the only glass I don't really care about is her beer because she's kind of slowly drinking it. But I keep filling her water glass. And that's the most important glass. Sure. It's the one that can't be empty. And she gets up and she's like, I, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, meet my son or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I was like, all right. And she gets up and she goes to clearly goes to thank me and i just kind of cut her off and i was like welcome back and i walked away wow and uh and that was probably you know that was an amazing moment it's brilliant that you're thinking about paying it forward it's amazing that you're thinking about future generations and making it easier for them so this can be a sustainable career yeah and something that gives back to everybody man and I'm, I'm being extremely selfish i want to bartend at 60 i can't do it with this normal stuff well, I hope I see that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, man, so it's been, it's been good. Wonderful chatting with you. We have the topo now. You yeah. enjoyed the mezcal, I hope, yeah. Absolutely. I'm getting uh, I'm getting a little body rub, like Ooh, body. Oh, good. Good. Oh, hey. Without it's, anybody it's actually Hendrick. touching touching some thighs. <laughs> no, I'm getting the, the No, the, the body high, right? Yeah, the, the, absolutely. The Ron the, Cooper body high. Yeah, I mean it's it's tingling my toes. So it's totally in there. It's tingling my toes too. Yeah. Mate Thanks so much for driving out, man. And yeah. it's been a pleasure being in Dallas. And thank you, Josh Hendricks, for hosting. And uh, We'll have a couple more drinks. But thanks so much for chatting with me. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, there we have it. What do you guys think? Even spending a few moments chatting with Mate, you begin to understand how deeply intellectual he is, how he thinks about the human condition, how he thinks about the process and the logistics of running and physically operating behind a bar. He also illustrated some kinds of drawings about bar setup and things, and we talked a little bit about that as well. But he is on a very, very technical and detailed level while at the same time being able to captivate a room with a beautifully delivered message. Dallas is lucky to have him, and I am—I I have no idea what he would be up to next. He could do so many different things, so it's really exciting to see where Mate goes. So thanks again for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter which David Bowie records you might be thinking about listening to tonight, or if you're going to sync up Wizard of Oz to Dark Side of the Moon, please keep dancing.